This past week, I received a call from the um, family back in Chicago, the church I'd served for 21 years. The former chair of the church, or the chair of the church, suffered um, from a blood clot and died on Tuesday. And it was a very sudden thing, and the family phoned and asked if I could fly out. So I flew out and flew back yesterday, and I did the service yesterday, um, and it was... uh, rather difficult, but it was good being back with people, and they asked me about, um, how's things going at Hope? And I said, oh, things are going wonderful. They asked me about, you know, the church, and I was telling them about the big boutique that we had last week. How many of you guys were able to go to the boutique? Okay. Wonderful. And they said, you know, are there any things that are, you know, surprise you? And I said to them, well, you know, it's an open carry state, and so at the boutique, it was just a little weird people walking in and being an open carry state. One lady said, you mean they walk in without lids on their coffee? (laughs) That's what they thought open carry meant. So (laughs) I was going through our um, fridge the other day and we're, uh, I noticed a can, you know, this time of the year we have cans of pumpkin. And on the can of pumpkin, I noticed that it said 100% pure. And I'm a little skeptical of anything, especially labels. Um, they're just, I'm used to things, deceptive advertising. And so this was a Libby's can of pumpkin. And it says 100% pure pumpkin. And I looked on the side and it says the only ingredient on a Libby's can of pumpkin is pumpkin. That's it. So... I was a little skeptical, so I googled Libby's Pumpkin and found that Libby's Pumpkin is the only company that uses, do you know this, what pumpkins? Dickerson Pumpkins, which they, it's a variety that they created. Now, here's the problem. There's other cans of pumpkin that you'll find that'll say 100% pumpkin. The problem is, according to the USDA, their definition of pumpkin is not pumpkin. According to the USDA, you can use squash and pumpkin together and still call it 100% pure pumpkin. Libby's is the only company that actually uses Dickerson pumpkins and only Dickerson pumpkins. And so when you're shopping this week or in the future for pumpkin, be very careful of what you get. What does 100% pure pumpkin mean or what does 100% pure so I went into the kitchen here before coming in and found Kroger sorry if someone works for Kroger Kroger pure vanilla it says pure then of course you go to the side and say what does pure mean corn syrup (laughs) so then right beside it was pure McCormick and it has pure in big letters there and it says no corn syrup added so what would you expect to be in one pure vanilla extract? Vanilla. So I went to the side and it says 41% alcohol added. <laughs> oh well. Today we're going to look at the sixth beatitude. We're continuing our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. This is a sermon Jesus preached at the beginning of his ministry. He was with his disciples, and we're 
looking not just at the whole sermon, but rather the first part, which are called the Beatitudes. And specifically, we are looking at, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God's love for you is pure. It is 100% pure. And God is always 100% faithful to all his promises. We actually get our understanding of love from the nature of God. And so as we look at this beatitude today, I want us to do three things. I want us to consider what? First, what does it mean to be pure in heart? The second is, what does it mean to see God? And then, how can we have pure hearts before God? And so let's read together from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. It says here, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today we're going to look at blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And this beatitude reminds us that God's primary focus is not on our outward performance, but on our inward attitudes. Pure in heart. Now, this is a gag gift that I got, I don't know, someone bought it at a truck stop and thought I would find it funny. It is wash away your sins cleansing bar and towelettes. <laughs> it is, I, and I sat there and I said, this was printed in China, and I'm sitting there going, what in the world are the Chinese thinking about the church in America with this? So this has a handy conversion kit for liars, cheaters, and wrongdoers. Inside... There is a bar of soap. It's a wash away your sins soap. And on the back it says, unwrap soap, engage water supply, moisten oneself, lather vigorously, rinse, repent. And then it says, for vulgarities, insert in mouth, scrub, spit out, flush. May be harmful as swallowed. And then they have little towelettes. Remove moist towelette, devoutly wipe away wrongdoing, spot check for stubborn guilt, wipe again as needed, discard sins and waste receptacle, go forth purified and moistened. You guys, I need this back, so, and don't use it, but you guys can just pass it around and see it, because you're not going to believe that that's actually there, and you sit there and guess what? You cannot purify your heart with soap. You cannot purify your heart with soap. So what's it mean to be pure in heart? Pure in heart. Pure, the word there is katharso in Greek, which we get our word catharsis. And catharsis means to cleanse one's mind and emotions. And scholars suggest the word has two meanings. The first is 
to make pure by cleansing from dirt, filth, or contamination, like metals that are refined by fire. But it also refers to being unmixed and having no double alliances or allegiances. Purity isn't just being clean, it means to be single-minded. I heard one pastor describe it as intentionally focused. Okay, take a look at this picture of a man with a dog. People with dogs sometimes aren't as happy as the dog is. Why? Well, the little thought bubbles there. The guy is thinking about everything else except so many different things going on in his mind. And the dog is just happy being with him. When we come to worship God, what's on our mind? Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will be hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And he's talking about the love of money versus the love of God. Well, you put these two definitions together, and a person with a passion for purity is one who has been cleansed in their character so that the way they look in public is the way they are in private. The way you look in public is the way you are in private. You act the same even when no one is watching. John MacArthur, in his study on the Sermon on the Mount, described five ideas of purity. So if you're doing the little notes there, these are the five that are coming up. The first is created purity. Created purity. When God first created the world, Everything was pure and good. And God saw what he made, and it was very good. That's from Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. The second is positional purity. Positional purity. Once a person is saved, the purity of Jesus is accredited to them, and God sees them as robed in the righteousness of Christ. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which says, and God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. Then the third purity is actual purity. Actual purity. It's not just a declaration of God that we are pure, it's also a reality by the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Again from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is verse 17, it says... If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, behold, the new has come. We are new creations. Then the fourth one is practical purity. Practical purity. And here's the challenge. It's at this point that we must live out our lives in purity. Since we have been made pure, we now have a responsibility to live in this obedience to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 says, "Since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God." And then the last one is final purity. A day is coming when Christians will we will all be totally cleansed and purified standing before our holy God. 
In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You see, Jesus didn't say, blessed are the pure, for they will see God. If Jesus had said, blessed are the pure, the religious leaders of his day would be really excited about that because they were experts on living a pure life according to the laws, rules and regulations. And they had brought laws and rules and regulations for everything, from eating, from what to wear, from how far you could walk on a Sabbath. And they were experts on the outward purity. But God says, blessed are the pure in heart. This is a condition of the heart. And Jesus has the harshest criticisms for those whose outward activities mask their true heart. His harshest criticisms were against the religious leaders who outwardly acted one way but inwardly were far from God. This is from Matthew chapter 23. Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites! You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but are on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Religious activities can't make you pure. Jesus looks at your heart. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Did you know that when God looks at you, he pays very little attention to your outward appearance? And that might be hard for us because we spend so much time on our outward appearance. We need to spend way more time on our hearts. Because that's what God truly looks at. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, A person's ways seem right to them, but the Lord weighs the heart. The word heart in Greek is cardia, that from which we get cardiac. Used metaphorically, it's used to signify the inner person. The heart, it controls everything. A person's mind, emotions, and will. It's the invisible, innermost being that shapes our lives and our attitudes, our convictions, and ultimately our actions. It is the seat where everything comes from. And so in Proverbs 27, verse 19, it says, As water reflects a face, so a person's heart reflects a person. The problem is we have a heart problem. Proverbs 3 and 4, 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it affects everything you do. And here's the problem. The heart of the problem is the problem with the heart. The heart of the problem 
is the problem with our heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And Jeremiah said, The heart is desperately wicked and beyond cure. And it affects everything we do. The reformers called this total depravity, meaning our whole being has been, has been affected by sin. And because of that, we wander away from God. Our hearts lead us away from God. Billy Graham said this, we su- We're suffering from only one disease in our world. Our basic problem isn't a race problem. Our basic problem isn't a poverty problem. Our basic problem isn't a war problem. Our basic problem is a heart problem. And the problem of sin in our world, a problem of sin isn't the world around us. It's a heart within us. We don't sin because of our surroundings. We sin because of the heart within us. And so this brings us to our second point, how to have a pure heart. God loves you just the way you are. You've heard us say that often, but God loves you so much that he's not going to leave you the way you are. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you the way you are. He came to redeem us, transform us, to cleanse us and to purify us so that we would have pure hearts. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you enough that he didn't, isn't going to leave you just the way you are. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, starts off saying these words. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so we are called to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us and keeps our heart from being pure. We are to realize the sin in our lives. We are to confess it, fight the temptation, and put it behind you. We are to remove the sin from our lives that entangles us and keeps us from seeing God. My wife is driven crazy by me because I love watching YouTube videos of people doing stupid things. And one of the things I saw is people who, if you do boat accidents, it's just a funny thing to watch. And I watch people who put their boats in the water and forget to take the trailers off. And you wonder, who has a video camera for this? But it's over and over again, people are driving around in boats and they can't figure out why the boat isn't working the way it is. It's because they still have the trailer on their boat. Living our lives with unconfessed sin is like driving a boat with the trailer still on. That sin entangles us and keeps us from being and doing what God wants us to do. 
And John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us your sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He does, God doesn't just forgive you, he cleanses you. Confess your sin and he'll take that trailer right off your boat. But change that word a little bit. Instead of the sin that so easily entangles, change it to the lies that so easily entangle us. We understand sin, but so many of us are believing lies that so easily entangle us and keep us from having pure hearts. They will keep us from seeing God. What are lies? Lies like, I'm never good enough. Or, I'm not lovable enough. Or, God hasn't really forgiven me. The hardest person to love sometimes is yourself, and the hardest person to forgive is yourself. But if God loves you, start loving yourself. And if God has forgiven you, forgive yourself. Put aside the lies that so easily entangle you and keep you from being the person God wants you to be and having the heart that God wants you to have. And the promise of God is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you see God today? The word to see God, it's called a future indicative tense, which means people with pure hearts will be continually seeing God at work in their lives. Think of it this way. The pure in heart will experience intimate fellowship with God on a moment-to-moment basis. When we walk in purity, God will give us spiritual insight to see Him at work in our lives. Now, I've heard many people say, well, God told me this. And I was skeptical when someone comes along and says, well, God told me this. And I always, when, if God tells you something, it's usually always confirmed by the church, the body of believers. But it's just one of those things I have a little problem with. But being able to see God in your life is much more than in the good times. Do you see God in your life in the difficulties of life? In the difficulties of life. The pure in heart will see God. They will see God at work in their lives. The man for whom I did the memorial service yesterday, his name was Bill Grimm. He was an incredibly great man. He was a village manager of one of the suburbs of Chicago, and he was deeply loved. But when he was a young person, he had been berated by some family members so that he never believed he would amount to anything. And he was told he would never amount to anything, and so it was extremely difficult for him to believe that God really loved him and accepted him. And he believed those lies, and it kept him from seeing God at work in his life. Last year at this time, I went with Bill down to Ecuador on a mission trip. We were down there working with, um, if you know Ecuador, is north of, north of Quito up in a place called Cayambe. We were working on an orphanage there. And Bill, something happened in his life. 
I'm not sure if it was just through the service and being on a mission trip, but he finally understood that God loved him. And when he finally accepted that God loved him, his eyes were opened. And he said to me, I actually see God at work in my life. And he was able to look back on his life and see that God had been working through him to bless so many people, he just never saw it because of the lies he believed. And for his last year of his life, he was able to see God at work in him. God at work in his life. And my hope for us today is that you will see God at work in your life on a moment-to-moment basis. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times, in the difficult times. Purity of heart comes as a result or as a fruit of the other Beatitudes. So you always have to keep those first four Beatitudes in mind because those first four lead to a pure heart. Remember the first Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know they have nothing in and of themselves to come to God with. Then the second one, blessed are those who mourn. We mourn the sin that got us into the condition in the first place. And then blessed are the meek, those who come under the control of God. And then blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they cannot attain on their own to receive that righteousness from Christ that Christ gives to us and it becomes our own and we become the righteousness of Christ. And the result of those things are mercy, purity, and peace. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And may you see God today and every day. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of your love for us, to know that you are God who cares and watches over us, and a God who wants to bless us. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, for there are so many things in our world, not only sins, but lies and tricks of the devil that keep us from experiencing the life that you want us to have. And so, Lord, I would ask that you would be gracious to us today. Help us to have pure hearts. Help us to see you at work in our lives, now and forevermore. Amen and amen.